Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I am Taylor. We are continuing a series we just kicked off last week called The Stories of Jesus, looking at the parables. And I am joined by two special guests and friends. First, we're joined by the doctor, Dr. Sean Stover. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Taylor. Always a pleasure. And we're joined by the one, the only, Bob Moss. Bob, great to have you on, as always. And I'm very happy to be here. Uh, Sean, this is, a, this is a fun message. First, I was saying parables, and then I was almost laughing because I, I love how you were like, is this a parable? <laughs> it's yeah. kind of maybe, maybe a little asterisk there. But we'd love to hear your thoughts on why you picked uh, this passage and kind of what was, or some things that stood out to you as you prepared for the message, the great message you had on Sunday. Well, thanks. I enjoyed this passage and digging into it. I do think think that this idea, this concept of looking at ourselves first and taking personal responsibility is something that we all need to hear and be reminded of consistently. It feels like we're just at a time in our culture where it's so easy to look across at what other people are doing and judge what other people are doing and look down on other folks and uh, become contentious as opposed to starting where we are with what we have and have the ability to control and I don't know that, you know, I do know that Jesus didn't have to deal with uh, social media and the crazy things that, that we do around information spreading, but obviously he dealt with a lot of the same human issues. And I think that's what he was trying to tell the folks there with, with these words was the importance of looking in the mirror first. Yeah, and we'll, we'll jump into some of the points that you had, Sean. But first, Bob, I'd love to hear your thoughts too on the message. You've you've read this passage many times, I'm sure. So what stood out to you as you were hearing it on Sunday? Well, like Sean said at the beginning, it sounded, it's more like a metaphor because the Sermon on the Mount is filled with metaphors. Nevertheless, it it is a very needed message. Jose covered it when he went through Romans uh, somewhat, but I thought the way that Sean dealt with it was beautiful. It was tremendous. And then the way that he contrasted the very next metaphor, talking about casting your pearls before pigs and giving what is holy to dogs, you know, that's a metaphor that talks about the very opposite, which is discernment. And uh, I thought the two, he merged the two together very well. Yeah, and that's a great segue because, Sean, I'd love to talk about that a little bit. You did a great job on Sunday uh, talking about the differences, so I don't want us to necessarily go and repeat yourself, but just at a high level, how would you help coach someone who's trying to, d to discern, whether it's discernment or judgment, and how, especially on relationships, I feel like it's so tricky because, you know, it can be sentence by sentence, moment by moment, you're trying to dictate, okay, am I am I judging? Am I coming up harshly? Am I discerning? So so how, how have you personally, the two of you, kind kind of uh, figured out that that line there. It is a tough one. I, I had a supervisor in after I graduated, actually, and was working on my postdoctoral work in psychology. And my supervisor loved this thought of personal responsibility because he just felt like if we were willing to do our part and show up as healthy as we could in any relationship, uh, what that would do is a couple of things. One, it would it would free us from this manipulation of the other person so that we could be okay. And two, it would allow us to have discernment as opposed to condemnation when we were in our judgments. And it's important. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Jesus certainly wasn't say, don't use the discernment. I, I, I love that that's why he 
put the next little metaphor right after it is like, this is important. You, you got to understand where you're putting your, your treasures, your, your heart, your energy, your attention, your finances, your relational capacity and time. And you want to put them in safe places that takes discernment. Um, the thing about judgment is it's usually not about us and about our own heart and our own safety. It's about what our opinion is or our belief is about somebody else. And that when it gets to that, that's the condemnation that God's trying to steer us away from. Bob, I wish you add to that. Well, I would say that uh, discernment leads to restoration. And Sean brought out that verse of Scripture in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, where it talks about if, if we see someone who is overtaken with a fault, well, that's a form of judgment, which really is discernment. Then it says the purpose is to restore with the, with the spirit of meekness and humility, fulfilling the law of Christ, which is love and compassion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. Uh, Sean, there's, there's several key points here that you un- unveiled with relating to others, being slow to judge, having significant self-awareness, taking personal responsibility like you just talked about, uh, see clearly with compassion, and then take loving action. Um, I don't want to miss this opportunity to ask both of y'all, just even from this beginning about being slow to judge. Uh, what have y'all seen both in your own hearts and your own lives as well as in the lives of those around you? What what causes us to be so quick to judge? And what, what's, what's deep down happening inside of us in that moment? And maybe hopefully that could even help us just kind of, um, I don't want to say regulate, but just be more aware of it and start to move into that process of being more self-aware. I think it's a pretty human tendency to want to deflect from ourselves and onto the people around us. It just is safer and easier to assume that there's if there's something wrong, it's got to be the people around me. It's got to be what's going on with them because then that protects me from having to admit I've got some flaws or I've got some sin or I've got some areas in my life that need work. Well, that's not fun. It's it's a lot more, you know, it's easier just to look around and say, well, they got a lot of issues over there. If they'd fix all of those, our marriage would be way better. Our relationships would be better. Our team would be better. Our work environment would be better. And so we look outside and we look around because it protects us from having to face the things that are going on inside us. I do think, though, that that path that you laid out as you listed those five that I talked about yesterday we were talking at lunch afterwards with my son-in-law and, and my daughter, and they were talking about the fact that this really is probably the differentiation between a disciple and, and a Christian. You know, you come to know Christ, and you can kind of just sit in that salvation experience and continue to look around and judge and do those things. But if you really want to be a disciple, those things that I laid out, that, that's the path. Am I going to look inside myself? Right. Set judgment aside, look inside myself, take personal responsibility. And then when I do go to move toward others, I've got clear eyes and compassion to make a difference. That's what a disciple does. Whereas a Christian probably, a Christian in the terms of just that's all I've done is accepted right. Jesus and not done any internal work. Well, now, yeah, I'm going to go try to love people, but it's not going to be a real clean Way to go at it. I love what you said uh, yesterday about we're not good judges. So it's not even, no, <laughs> it's not only are we not no. called to be judges, we're just not good at it. We don't use that. fair criteria. We don't, we I don't, we don't judge ourselves and others the same way. Yeah, we have different standards. Well, one of the things that I've observed and experienced in my own life is that when I am governed by my ego or pride, 
I have to be right. And when we have to be right, we we have to find somebody that's wrong so that we can compare to. And that's very easy to do because there's all kinds of things out there in the world that we can compare to and make ourselves right. And uh, it's not about being right. It's about following the Lord and loving people. And when you're judging people, uh, again, Sean brought that out, when, when we're judging uh, we're not keeping the law. We're sitting in judgment of the law. And that that's what James says. It do, that doesn't work. We're not good judges like Sean said. Mm-hmm. After the service, the first service, I got a text from a friend, Vic King. He's a counselor here in town and member of our church. And he uh, commented on the, the sermon. And then he, he sent me a quote from C.S. Lewis that I'll paraphrase. It says, we're not good judges because we only have two eyes and they're very close together. Uh, you know, we can only see so far and God's a great judge. He sees it all. And we only see our limited and we see from our limited perspective and we're not good at it. I've, I like watching these shows on TV now, like on Dateline or 2020 when they, they cover an old uh, homicide or something and they walk through the whole story. And it fascinates me because even after they do all of the, you know, years of kind of detective work and analysis and they find the person and now they're going to put them on trial and the trials take like three weeks or four weeks and there's all, you know, and there's a judge and he's getting information and there's a jury and they're getting information for four weeks or five because that's what it takes to see the whole picture, you know, at the end of the day. And uh, we'd make snap judgments. We see something and within... Within five yep. seconds, oh, I can tell you what's wrong with that person. Oh, here's what the deal is with that. Look, they're driving that electric car. I'll tell you all about them. They're doing, you know, I'm, just with the stuff that we can, the, the judgments that we pulled, and, and it, we're, we're just not good at it. So why, why do it? Electric cars, that got me. That's a good one. Uh, no, that's that's so true. You're moving into that next stage of uh, significant self-awareness. Again, Sean, to your point, it's at least something in my experience, much easier to focus on how other people need to improve their lives or work on things versus our own. Uh, this may be a tangent, but where to even that perspective go into our relationships. I'm thinking of parents that may be having a hard time with that, maybe with their adult kids or just even their kids as a whole, as far as that idea of uh, how other people's circumstances or decisions can then start to influence us and really impact us. That may be almost more of a boundary question, but where does all of that fit into this? Because I can think about how, at least in my life, it's so much easier to worry about and think about what's happening in someone else's yard versus uh, my yard in front of me. Absolutely. I think this is this is huge in parenting. And, and that's why the whole, the whole five-step process is critical because you can't pull any one out. If you do the, the first thing with my kids, I want them to do is, hey, uh, simple illustration is the is the football you know the the athletics it's easy for them to get in the car at the end and say oh man you're not going to believe my receivers ran the, yeah i threw an interception but my receiver was supposed to run in front of the safety he ran his route behind the safety and then you know it, it, it's easy for kids to go that route it's easy for all of us too we just said that right so certainly kids are going to go that way so for me to be able to as a, as a parent say all right well let's First, let's set that aside. What do what the other players did, and and then let's be let's look at you. Let's what did you do good and what did you do bad? What did you think about your performance? And we have them self self evaluate because that's part of self awareness. And it's like, all right, well, 
So you don't feel like you threw the downfield balls very well and you underthrew a lot of those. You didn't have the spiral you want. Well, what does that mean personally? What can you do differently? What responsibility can you take there? Well, you know what? I need to work on my form because I've gotten really lazy with my mechanics. And okay, well, if you do that, what do you think that's going to change with your receivers? Well, it's going to show them I'm willing to work. And so then we just walk through that whole process. Mm-hmm. And it helps. It helps in parenting because at the end of the day, that's what we want for our kids, right? We want them to grow up and be responsible adults. Unfortunately, I see a lot of parents that are doing the exact opposite. You know, they, 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 at step one, they get off track. You know, it's like, hey, I made a bad grade at school. Oh, well, what happened? Well, my teacher didn't give us a good review of the test. Oh, I, I know your teacher doesn't, that teacher's got a reputation for not giving good. So we deflect and all of a sudden we judge and it's the teacher's responsibility. And then there's no self-awareness about the, did they study enough and that kind of thing. And, and we remove a lot of the responsibility from our kids Cody was, not Cody, little Colt, um, I'm rambling on here for a little bit, but this is important to me in parenting. Colt came home, you know, last week from school, school's out, and he's got time on his hands. He says, hey, me and my buddy, these guys are 11 years old, me and my buddy, we want to make some money. So what are y'all going to do? We brainstormed it, and we're going to go walk dogs in the neighborhood. I said, okay, all right. Well, what are you going to do? He said, we're going to charge $4 to walk a dog for a mile. I said, okay, well, Good luck with that. I said, why don't you just round it up to five? Yeah. And uh, and also, you know, make sure the dog can make it a mile, right? Because not every dog can make it a mile. I said, all right. So they went out and canvassed the neighborhood, and they they got one dog. We had one, one bit of business. Um, but it was cute. He came home, and then and he talked about the money that he made. And I just realized that we rob our kids of a lot of responsibility, that I think we used to have when we were growing up and our parents were better at giving us things to be responsible for. And I was so worried, like, what's he going to say when he knocks on the door? And, you know, is it going to be okay? And what are the people going to think about it? And and I was, my dad never worried about any of that stuff. He was like, sure, go try to make some, I don't think he wanted me to run the ideas past him, you know, and we've got to let our kids learn to take personal responsibility sooner. Baba, would you add on that as far as having significant self-awareness and then moving into that piece of taking personal responsibility? Well, self-awareness is is a great uh, great characteristic to have, but our, one of my problems is blind spots. And so I need other people to help me, and I need to be able to trust other people, and I need to let other people trust me and the better relationship that we have with one another, uh, we can help one another. But that's not judgment. That's being honest with each other, speaking the truth in love. And so self-awareness, we definitely need that. There's nothing to me that's really more important than that Mm -hmm. other than being aware that God is with us. Mm -hmm. Being aware of God's presence in our life is number one, but then being self-aware of who we are. And that's why that message a couple weeks ago with uh, the brother from South Africa, he spoke about our citizenship and our position as ambassadors that if we can be aware of who we are in Christ that that's really yeah. powerful yeah it, that idea of blind spots bob that you just brought up I, i'll actually just even use you as an example bob i remember 
it's been a year ago and you came into a men's meeting we had and God had revealed some things to you and and you were starting to get some healing around it and you were you were really excited about it and you were you were being vulnerable and sharing with our men's group and you're like now I'm going to go home and talk to Linda about this and I'm going to tell Linda and uh, and I said to you after listening for a while, I said, hey, listen, the way you're sharing that with us, is that how you're going to share it with Linda? And you said, yeah, I'm going to just, you know, and I said, well, I, I don't think she's going to receive it the same because she's got more personal stake in this. And you said, no, I'm going to share it. And you, and then, but then you paused and you listened to what I had to say. And, I, and I'm saying all this to say that you had men in your life and you were open to hearing. And then I remember it changed how you had that interaction with Linda and, and you actually text me later and you said, hey, thanks for being willing to say those things to me to change the way that I had that interaction. And I think that we have blind spots in our life. We all do. And we need people in our life, one, that will speak to those. And then second, and more importantly, we need to be the kind of people that receive when we get that feedback, that we don't discount it or we don't negate it or we don't get defensive or argue it away, which is all our ego and our human nature. You've modeled that really well, that being able to receive that humility. And uh, yeah, I I love that thought that self-awareness, the presence of it leads to humility and the absence of it leads to hypocrisy. And um, you've modeled that humility for me in my life. So thanks for being able to receive that way. Yeah. So good. So good. Yes. And the the point, Bob, you brought up about blind spots, Sean, you talked about that on Sunday, just even the value of having either a counselor, a trusted friend or mentor, or even just a community group in your life to have that kind of external lens yeah. is is super helpful. So that's really important. The The fourth point here is seeing clearly with compassion. Again, I love how each of these, you just said earlier, Sean, you can't just pluck one of these out of the order. It's got to be in this sequence uh, that we see following scripture here. So seeing clearly with compassion. I never heard the the interpretation on Jesus healing the blind man twice. And that, I thought that was really neat. And just the way in which he was seeing the way that God sees. How have the two of you been able to, to put on that lens, so to speak, or begin to see people the way that Jesus sees? Because I can definitely tell you the way the world sees people. And I think that's real easy to put on that set of glasses or that lens. So, so how do the two of you uh, almost uh, rework your, your way that you see the, uh, the people around you? That's powerful. Jesus is the lens through which God sees people. I mean, God, if God looked straight at us, he would see a sinful, fallen bunch of yahoos out there that didn't deserve anything. And yet he looks at us through this Jesus lens that says, these people are my children who are redeemed and rescued and worthy and valuable. And it's the lens is the key, right? And so how do we put on that same kind of lens? Um, that's tough, but it's, it's, the, it's the game changer. If I choose to look at Christina through the lens of Jesus and the fact that, yeah, she's human and she's fallen and she, you know, is not perfect, but she is the Lord's and she is redeemed and she is beautiful and she is she has so many gifts and talents. And I like Philippians 4, 8. You know, we get to choose what we want to what we want to focus on. Do we want to focus on the true and the trustworthy and the praiseworthy? And uh that's where I want to focus when I look at people. Um make sure you heard me say that's where I want to focus. I miss that mark consistently, but I think that's what we're called to do. Mm. 
Amen. It's it's seeing people through the eyes of Christ and how he he looked at people. Uh, one of my favorite stories is the story of how the Pharisees brought the woman caught in, caught in adultery. Well, what? How did they know where to go? How did they know? You know, and there's all kinds of directions you can go in that. But Jesus looked at her after saying, whoever's without sin, let them cast the first stone. And all of the accusers got up and left. And he told her, he said, neither do I accuse you. Now, But then he also said, go and sin no more. And the exhortation was, I forgive you, but now make a, a new life, you know, enter into uh, a new relationship with people that will help you. And that's what we need. That's what the church is all about. That's where we find people who are in agreement with us about who God is and what God wants to do in our lives. And when we can learn to trust one another, that is when we're able to have those experiences. I mean, I've known Sean now for I don't know how many years, six years now, and work. I just... I, whatever Sean tells me, I'm going to listen to it because I know he's got good advice, good counsel. And Proverbs talks a lot about being a, a wise man listens to good counsel. So I want to be a wise man too. So. You are a very wise man. I love that you told that story of the woman that was brought to Jesus because it transitions to that fifth point. What Jesus did in that moment was he he saw with compassion, but then he acted with mercy, um, and more importantly, he balanced grace and truth. He showed her grace, and then the truth was, he said, and now go and sin. I know what sin you've committed. Go and do that no more. He didn't let her off the hook with just grace. He added the truth. And that's what that last point is. If we walk this process out and become disciples, then the last thing we get to do is show mercy and balance grace and truth in how we love people. So... All right, you know I'm not gonna let you off the hook, no. Taylor. Well, finish this off with what? No, finish this off with what? What? What was your takeaway? You're you're generation generationally generationally different than Bob and I. So uh, yeah, no, what's it say I, I to love you? It. I think the part that stood out to me that you said you can't skip to number five. I think so much of the conversation is about okay, how do we balance grace and truth? How do we have that final conversation? And uh, yeah, I think about just going to going through the first few points. Um, I think about another story: Jesus encountering the woman at the well and how she was trying to deflect his personal questions about her because she was trying to talk about theology. Oh, what about this? Where they worship on this hill? And he was like, trying to get back to her life and her story. And so I think that at least in my situation, I can easily do that where I'm thinking of, you know, let's debate something or let's talk about someone else's decision instead of Jesus saying, hey, let's talk about you. Let's talk about what's in your life. So it was a really powerful message. Really appreciate y'all's conversation today. Thanks for listening to the Conversations podcast. Be a part of the conversation by sending questions about the Sunday message directly from ccc.guide or by emailing conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. See you back for the next conversation.